April 8th. Today's scripture reading from the New Testament will be from the book of Luke, chapter 12, verses 35 through 59. Here's what's been going on. Uh, We're being told about the different states of our hearts. Uh, Scripture here in chapter 12 talks about a, a fearful heart, a greedy heart, a divided heart, and in our reading today, we'll hear about a cold heart. See, we are God's servants, and He expects us to be faithfully doing our work when Jesus Christ returns. But when we stop looking for His coming, loving it, and longing for it, well, our hearts grow cold, and we become very worldly. The Lord will deal with careless servants when He returns. So, we are to be ready at all times looking for His sure and certain return. And with that, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. April 8th, Luke chapter 12, verses 35 through 59. Be dressed for service and well prepared, as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. There will be special favor for those who are ready and waiting for his return. I tell you, he himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. He may come in the middle of the night, or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, there will be special favor for his servants who are ready. Know this, a homeowner who knew exactly when a burglar was coming would not permit the house to be broken into. You must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Peter asked, Lord, is this illustration just for us or for everyone? And the Lord replied, I'm talking to any faithful, sensible servant to whom the master gives the responsibility of managing his household and feeding his family. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I assure you, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But if the servant thinks, My master won't be back for a while, and begins oppressing the other servants, partying and getting drunk, well, the master will return unannounced and unexpected. He will tear the servant apart and banish him with the unfaithful. The servant will be severely punished, for though he knew his duty, he refused to do it. But people who are not aware that they are doing wrong will be punished only lightly. Much is required from those to whom much is given, and much more is required from those to whom much more is given. I have come to bring fire to the earth, and I wish that my task were already completed. There is a terrible baptism ahead of me, and I am under a heavy burden until it is accomplished. Do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I have come to bring strife and division. From now on, families will be split apart, three in favor of me and two against, or the other way round. There will be a division between father and son, mother and daughter, mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. Then Jesus turned to the crowd and said, When you see clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, Here comes a shower, and you are right. When the south wind blows, you say, Today will be a scorcher, and it is. You hypocrites! 
You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky, but you can't interpret these present times. Why can't you decide for yourselves what is right? If you are on the way to court and you meet your accuser, try to settle the matter before it reaches the judge, or you may be sentenced and handed over to an officer and thrown in jail. And if that happens, you won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. We see the story of Jesus going to the cross and everything seems to kind of be hand in hand. And then there's this one character that seems to interrupt the narrative. His name's Barabbas. We don't even know much about him except that he's a murderer, a leader of an insurrection, a rebel. And why he's even mentioned, sometimes I'm not so sure. It's like, what? Let's, this is about Jesus going to the cross. So in this moment, Pilate thinks, I hold the destinies of these two men in my hand. I know the Jews have a tradition that on a holy day, I will release one of the prisoners on death row. Pilate stands on this audacious stage who now presents Jesus, son of the living God, versus Barabbas, the thug and rebel. He says, all right, who do you want? This is blasphemy. This is, this has gone too far. There's no comparison. This is a rightful prisoner, a man who should be on death row. He's a rebel against Rome. He leads a rebellion. He murders people. He's a bad man. He's a thug and he's a crook. He deserves the chains and he deserves the crucifixion. Jesus, what has he done but heal, restore, deliver, set free, open blind eyes, open deaf ears, heal the lame and the leper? What, what has Jesus done? Who do you want? We, we want Barabbas. Yeah, give us Barabbas. People say, give us Barabbas. The Roman soldiers come up and they put the key in and they unlock Barabbas from his chains and shackles. And he walks down the platform, welcomed by all of his thug friends. Yeah, the people love me. Yeah, that's right. I don't even know who this Jesus guy is, but all I know is my people love me. There seems to be no conscience in Barabbas. There's no record of him turning to Jesus and saying, I owe you everything now, for you have set me free. No, I don't see any of that in Barabbas. God knew that. Jesus stood there, silent for he knew the will of the Father. He said, it's fine, Father. Let him have Barabbas. For Jesus knew that the Father would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. Barabbas thought it was the people that set him free. No, 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 no. It was the love of the Heavenly Father. Yeah, but I love Barabbas. 
for while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God sent his son for Barabbas, even the one he knew would walk away from Jesus and his free gift and never come back. He loves them. And the nerve, the call, and the audacity of believers to think, I got saved by grace, but now that I'm in this deep, dark place of bondage, I better work hard to get myself out. What? That's the opposite of the gospel. Are you bound? Are you held under the power of this temptation, this sin? Do you feel like it's controlling you? What are you going to do? I'm going to shake myself free. Stop it. No, you won't. You're no match for the powers of hell and the urges of sin. You will not overcome it and you will never overcome it. You'll just be another statistic. There's no answer within yourself. Your own marriage, your own goodness, your own discipline, your own devotion will not save your marriage and will not save your kids. There's only one. And he's the one that took your place. He's the one that stood silently on the platform with Pilate and said, yes, let him have Barabbas. Take me. How many times have I stood on that platform with Pilate and Jesus and I'm the Barabbas and they start to take my chains off and I say, no, no, I deserve this. I deserve the guilt. I deserve the shame. I deserve the consequence. I deserve it. Jesus seems to look at me and say, no, son. Let me have it. Let me have your sin. Let me have your pain. No, God, I did it to myself. I deserve it. My marriage won't make it. This is what I deserve. I deserve divorce. I deserve poverty. I deserve sickness. I deserve it all. No! God, I say, I'm so ashamed. Give me your shame. But God, what if I do it again? I'll still be here. Oh, God, I don't want to hurt you. I love you. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Give me your sins, son. This is all we got. It's all I got. It's all you got. We can play games. We can play church games. We can pretend like some people are better than others, and that's why they're blessed. Or we can all come to the honest conclusion that it's God. And it's God alone. The greatest challenge is not your discipline, your devotion, your focus. Your greatest challenge is believing the gospel. Could it be that there's a God with a love so scandalous, so wide, so deep, so vast, so high, so expansive, so welcoming, so inclusive? Let me have your sin, son. Okay. And I give him my sin. And I stand in this empty space of forgiveness and acceptance while Jesus walks off to the cross that I deserve. I see him, I see him walking to the post to be whipped. As I stand a free man, all the attention is turned now. 
and I feel the love of God saying, go, son, live your life. I'll pay the price. When we get off thinking that we were going to set ourselves free, it's still Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. It'll never stop being the power of Jesus. If His blood is sufficient for your salvation, His blood is sufficient to sustain you through every challenge and every sin and every temptation. Jesus is enough! We're reading today in the book of Psalm number 78. As I said before, this is a very long psalm. It's taken us a few days to even get through it. And Israel was a rebellious nation, but God was gracious and gave the people opportunities, as a matter of fact, several opportunities to start again, the same way He does with us today. Now, this is not an excuse for us to sin and tempt God, but it is intended to be an encouragement to repent when we do sin. Let the cleansing occur. As we pray, create in us a clean heart, O God, renew within me a right spirit. We invite the Lord to search our hearts, know our ways, and to see if there's any wicked way in us, and if He finds it, uh, there's nothing there about punishment to just lead us in the path everlasting. That's the path that we want to be on, the path everlasting. And so God's answer to uh, Israel's needs was to give them a spiritual leader, a man after God's own heart, David, King David. started out as a young shepherd. And he always had a shepherd's heart. He had both integrity of the heart and ability with his hands. He was also a great warrior. And he sought to serve the Lord and love the flock of Israel. He was far from perfect, but he did love God more than anything. And people have not changed today. They still rebel against God just like the Israelites of old. There is still a need for faithful instructors in the home shepherds in our churches, and leaders in the nation. And we're admonished to do all we can to help the next generation serve the Lord acceptably. Psalm chapter 78, verses 56 through 64. Yet though He, God, did all this for them, they continued to test His patience. They rebelled against the Most High and refused to follow His decrees. They turned back and were as faithless as their parents had been. They were as useless as a crooked bow. They made God angry by building altars to other gods. They made Him jealous with their idols. When God heard them, He was very angry, and He rejected Israel completely. Then He abandoned His dwelling at Shiloh, the tabernacle where He had lived among the people. He allowed the ark of His might to be captured. He surrendered His glory into enemy hands. He gave His people over to be butchered by the sword, because He was so angry with His own people His special possession. Their young men were killed by fire. Their young women died before singing their wedding songs. Their priests were slaughtered, and their widows could not mourn their deaths. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 24. Work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave.